Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tenderness see? Who through life has been my guide? that being said, if you would, get your Bibles open to Daniel chapter 5. We're going to be looking at a whole chapter once again, so take a deep breath. But Daniel chapter 5, but there's a reason. You know, in the introduction, I explained to you that the book of Daniel was unique in some ways in that we have 12 chapters we're looking at. And the first six chapters are basically historical chapters. They have a lot of history. And then the last six chapters, I, I told you, they're full of mystery, and that is prophecy. A lot of prophecy. But then, just to confuse you, I explained to you that the first six chapters, although they're primarily history, they also have some mystery. And the last six chapters, although they're primarily mystery, they also have some history. Is that clear as mud? So, (laughs) but it's true, and we've seen that. We've seen these historical accounts in these first chapters so far, but we've also seen some mystery. None greater than that chapter two dream of Nebuchadnezzar, which is the backbone of all prophecy. The backbone of the rest of the prophecy that we will see in chapter 6 through 12, but also in the book of Revelation. When we start to dive into Daniel, I should say Daniel chapter 7 through 12, when we start to dive in, you'll see how it all connects to Revelation. And it all goes back to that dream Nebuchadnezzar had in chapter 2. And remember his dream that Daniel gave him the dream and the interpretation of this image that had a head of gold and a chest and arms of silver and a belly and thighs of bronze and... um, legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. And I explained to you how that was a dream that was given to Nebuchadnezzar to point us to the remaining Gentile kingdoms on the earth, the last kingdoms of man, and how it would go in successive order. They diminish in value, but they increase in strength until those feet of iron and clay, which we know then a stone cut without hands is going to destroy them. That is the last Gentile kingdom, the Antichrist kingdom. But today we're going to see something important in this chapter because we're going to see a transition from the gold head, the head of Babylon, to the chest and arms of silver. We're going to see Medo-Persia take Babylon. We're going to see them transition to the second Gentile kingdom. Not only that, but we're going to see again how perfect God's word is. Not only did he predict it in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, but we're going to see that 200 years before this event... God actually inspired Isaiah to not only tell us about this event, but to name the very man who would rule the empire of Medo-Persia, who would come in and destroy Babylon, Cyrus. He names him 200 years before it ever happens, 170 years before he's ever born. He named him in scripture. That's how perfect God's word is. And so with that, let's dive in. Daniel chapter 5. We'll look at these first 12 verses, and then we'll go even deeper. 
Starting in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar, well, I, okay, I have to stop for a second because what we're going to see here is Bel, Belshazzar here is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, but just to clear up confusion here, it calls him the son of Nebuchadnezzar, but the word it means forefather or it can mean grandfather or grandson or even great-grandson, but understand this man Belshazzar is actually the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, and so just for context, Belshazzar. The king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, that means while he's getting drunk, by the way, that's what that phrase means. Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver. Take note of that. God in his word uses these words. And, you know, everything in God's word has purpose. Remember, we're going to see the transition from the head of gold to the chest and arms of silver. And right here, God is proclaiming in his word gold and silver for a purpose. Because we're going to see most of the implements that the king defiles are made of gold. But God mentioned silver here for that reason. So it says, bring the gold and silver vessels which are his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem. That the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. This is what's going on. He tells, he's having this big party. And you need to understand in the pagan culture, and I won't go into detail... The only reason they invited all the women to this kind of event was for very specific types of ceremonies. I won't go into it. Just think debauchery. Don't think about it. But it's, it's debaucherous. This is evil. And notice what he's doing. He's going to defile the temple implements that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Verse 3. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. So understand something else, what's going on here? Medo-Persia, this ragtag group, these two, the Medes and the Persians, they weren't much, but together they were a force, a formidable force. They'd been winning some battles, but Babylon still didn't fear them. And right now at this moment, the Medo-Persian army is surrounding Babylon, surrounding the city of Babylon. But they're so arrogant and so prideful, they think they're too big to fall. They think they're too mighty with their army. They have over 20 years of provisions in the city. They're preppers, extreme. And they have the Euphrates River flowing in, so they have plenty of water. So this king, Belshazzar, he's not worried. And what they do in these ceremonies, in these parties, um, is summon their gods through debauchery. And so they're not worried, and they're just going to summon their gods like they usually do, and they're too big to fall. Okay, sound familiar? Verse 5. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed. I bet it did. And his thoughts, <laughs> sorry, sometimes I interject. Huh? And his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. So the mood changes. It almost, it reminds me, of, forgive me for this, okay? I was a Scooby-Doo fan. It reminds me, you know, when, <laughs> remember when Shaggy and Scooby would get scared and their knees would knock together? I don't mean to be too humorous about this, but that's kind of what it reminds me of. Verse 7, the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. And I'll tell you why it's the third ruler in the kingdom later on. 
But this is another passage. Isaiah 47 actually prophesied this exact moment when this king would call on the soothsayers and all of these things. It's exactly in God's word in Isaiah 47 described this exact event. And we can tell the king is getting desperate. Look at verse 8. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. Verse 10, the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. This is not his wife. This is his mother. This is the daughter of Nebuchadnezzar. Just for context, this is Nebuchadnezzar's daughter. She is the queen. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom this is the spirit of the holy God. And I told you last week and the week before, that isn't what that's saying. It's actually saying has the spirit of the holy gods, plural, little g. That's what's being said there. Uh, and in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Verse 12 Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting, er, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel, take note of that, be called, and he will give you the interpretation. Father, this is your word. And God, I pray right now in this moment, get me out of the way. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon this whole congregation, upon your people, upon me, Lord. Help me to teach your truth and your word. Father, help it to sink deep into our hearts and change us from the inside out. Your word is truth. You esteem your word above your name. Lord, let us respect that. And God, let it change us from the inside out. We praise you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so... It can be a little confusing with all of these things that I was talking about, so I'll give you a little bit of a snapshot here. So Belshazzar, he's the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar. But this is what happened. Let me go through the history. We're now several years after Nebuchadnezzar has died. And this is what happened. Now, Nebuchadnezzar reigned for about 43 years. And remember, he gave his heart over to the Lord at the end, and he finished well. And so his grandson and many others should have learned those lessons, which we'll come back to. But after his death, there was a struggle for the throne, as you might imagine. Now, 2 Kings 25 and Jeremiah 52 tells us that Nebuchadnezzar's son, his oldest son, evil Merodach. Now, evil in this sense, even though he was evil, that's not what the word means in the Aramaic. It means soldier. Merodach is one of their false gods. So the soldier of Merodach is what this means. But he was the one placed on the throne. He was the eldest son, and he came to power, but he was wicked. He was a wicked man. And he only lasted a couple years, and they removed him. They killed him. In fact, one of his brothers, one of the other princes of Babylon, killed him. And then that man, uh, I'm trying to remember how to pronounce his name. Uh, in Jeremiah 39, it's Nerga Shalazer or Shalazer, something like that. I, I should have wrote it down. Anyway, in Jeremiah 39, he is then placed on the throne, but he's wicked and evil as well. He only lasts four years, and then he dies of so-called natural causes. So then there's a group of family members who then place his son, who has diminished mental capacity. And what they did is they raised him up on the throne so that they could control him like a puppet and rule from the shadows. This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, 
please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, golgothafellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.